0: This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. This is a rather special episode of Johnny Gould's Jewish State, featuring a competition winner from a primary school who won the chance to make an episode with me. All because I'm encouraging the next generation to think seriously about journalism and storytelling, not just to take in the TikTok and YouTubers. Awareness of news and current affairs is certainly heightened by the pressure of social media these days. So imagine a young person growing up in this day and age. And so if more children are engaged by the everything-is-political zeitgeist which today's news seems to exist in, much more invasive than when we were young, it's time this long-in-the-tooth journalist put something back to encourage high-minded journalistic inquiry in that next generation to show that the heavy lifting of real journalism is as fundamental to our democracy and freedoms as ever. I ran a competition for the pupils of Year 6 at Northwest London Jewish Day School. Now I said to the class, get me an interesting interviewee and write down the questions you'd like to ask them. And so I was delighted that 11-year-old Bella Bolo stepped up to the plate and secured time with Bill Browder, Bill is an American-born financier, based in London, the CEO and co-founder of Hermitage Capital Management, once the largest foreign portfolio investor in Russia. And with his Russian lawyer, Sergei Madnitsky, Bill found out his taxes were being misappropriated by middlemen officials in Moscow. So he started exposing large-scale systemic corruption in Russia. He took on large companies such as Gazprom and Sedanko, when you take on faceless power, the consequences are brutal. In retaliation in November 2005, Bill was refused entry to Russia, deported to the UK, and declared a threat to national security. But as you'll hear, Bill's story takes on a further tragic and extreme twist.
1: Sergei Magnitsky was killed primarily and exclusively because he worked for me. If he hadn't been my lawyer, if he hadn't been working for me, if he hadn't exposed the corruption that I asked him to expose, he would still be alive today. Instead, he died at the age of 37. He left a wife and two children. And for me, the burden of guilt and responsibility of him being killed because he was my lawyer has stayed with me ever since. Bill takes
0: responsibility for this terrible crime. It totally changed the trajectory of his life, both private and commercial. Bill now heads the Global Magnitsky Justice Campaign as he gives us a snapshot into what Russia has become under Vladimir Putin and how life isn't made up of comfortable decisions. Sometimes we have to take a stand. Many congratulations to Bella Bolo. You secured a great interview and asked a line of questions which challenged our esteemed guest. So here she is in conversation with
2: Bill Browder. Without
1: further ado, Bella, it's over to you. Excellent. Nice to meet you.
3: I'm very excited to meet you too.
1: And any, any, any questions you want?
3: The first questions I'd like to ask are about how and why you came to set up the Global Magnitsky Justice Campaign, about how you fell out with Putin, and who exactly was Sergei Magnitsky.
1: Sure. Good question. Uh, so um, I was once a big investor in Russia. I, I had an investment fund in Russia. And I um, discovered there was a lot of corruption going on in the country, and I decided to start to expose the corruption. And in response to that, I was expelled from the country, um, declared a threat to national security, my offices were raided, all of my documents were seized, and I decided to hire a young lawyer in Moscow who was a very smart young man named Sergei Magnitsky to help me uncover what was going on and investigate. He investigated. He discovered that the documents that were taken from my office were used in a very complicated fraud in which the um, um, officials of the Russian government had stolen uh, $230 million of taxes that my company paid to the Russian government. They stole it from the Russian government. He exposed the crime. He testified against the officials involved. And in retaliation, he was arrested by the same officials, put in pretrial detention in jail, uh, tortured in jail for 358 days, and then ultimately killed um, by eight riot guards with rubber batons. And um, this was, he was killed on November 16, 2009. And I decided to give up my life as a businessman and to devote all of my time, energy and resources um, to make sure that the people who killed him face justice. And that's what the Global Magnitsky Justice Campaign um, is all about, is getting justice for Sergei Magnitsky and to get justice for other victims who have similarly suffered like he did.
3: Why are you so determined to continue the fight for justice for him?
1: Well, because Sergei Magnitsky was killed primarily and exclusively because he worked for me. If he hadn't been my lawyer, if he hadn't been working for me, if he hadn't exposed the corruption that I asked him to expose, he would still be alive today. And um, instead, he died at the age of 37. He left a wife and two children. And um, and for me, the... Uh, burden of guilt and responsibility of him uh being killed because he was my lawyer has stayed with me ever since and and uh that that pain and that that uh feeling that i felt um has not dissipated and the only thing that gives me some peace um is knowing that i've done something to uh, make sure that he gets justice and make sure that i do something um so that his Death wasn't a meaningless death, and that's what keeps me going.
3: Are you still in touch with the Magnitsky family?
1: I am indeed. I um, I speak to them regularly. I I support them financially. Uh, they're now uh, they left Russia a long time ago. <clears throat> um, his widow and his younger son Nikita live in California, in Pasadena, California, and they're um, you know, doing his well as they can be doing under the circumstances, but they've tried to recover and build a
3: new life. I'd also like to ask a few more general questions. Sure. Uh, would, you, would you have left Russia if you hadn't been forced to leave? <laughs>
1: That's a great question, and the answer is um, probably no, uh, probably no. And if I if I hadn't left Russia when they and they hadn't forced me to leave, um, I'd probably be dead because. Um, at the time that, that, that I was expelled from Russia, Putin wasn't as self-confident a tyrant as he is right now. And um, uh, I'd probably either be in jail or dead or maybe in jail and then dead. And so it was very fortunate that they expelled me when they did. Otherwise, I'd have a lot different outcome.
3: Um, how does it feel knowing that you're wanted by one of Europe's most powerful countries?
1: Not good. Um, the uh, Uh, Obviously, my life is in danger. Um, I'm being targeted on a regular basis in all sorts of different ways by them, with arrest warrants, um, with lawsuits, with movies, with kidnapping plots, with death threats. It's all very terrible, and and certainly I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy.
3: Um, Your most recent book, Freezing Order is also translated into many languages, including Russian, but do they allow your books to be sold in Russia?
1: Good question. Uh, the answer is definitely no. The, um, uh, the, I could never find a publisher in Russia for my book and any publisher who did publish it would probably lose their business. And so what we've decided to do instead was translate uh, Freezing Order uh, into Russian, and then I offer it for free to Russians. Um, online and many many people have downloaded it and, and uh, learned about the story from this online version.
3: Do you think someone like Alexei Navalny um, could uh, ever come to power, and if so, do you think they they'd be better for Russia?
1: Um, the answer is yes and yes. <clears throat> I think it's possible, not not highly likely, but possible that uh, if Putin were to lose the war in Ukraine. Um, The Russian people would lose their patience with him, and if they did, um, they would look for somebody new and outside the system to lead the country. The most prominent uh, political prisoner is probably Alexei Navalny, and he's surely uh, a much better alternative than the uh, dictator, kleptocrat Vladimir Putin.
3: Do you think the British government has done enough to support the work that you've done?
1: Um, no, <clears throat> the British government is always um, too little, too late. Um, they've been very reluctant to help me. Um, they have in certain areas that there is a British Magnitsky Act now, and they've sanctioned the killers of Sergei Magnitsky. <clears throat> but it took the British government eight years longer than the U.S. government to do the same thing. And so, and have it, since I live here and I actually... I've been living here for 34 years, I have a British passport, I would have expected a more robust approach towards this issue than I've seen.
0: And if you're new to Johnny Gould's Jewish State, press the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast, tell your friends, and scroll back one episode for Jake Wallace Simons, who gave his first interview right here about his new book, Israelophobia, the newest form of the oldest hatred. You, my friend, with your swivel-eyed fury against the world's only Jewish state that you don't share for any other country in the world, only for the world's Jewish state, you are suffering from Israelophobia. Let's talk about that.
3: I'd like to ask a few more, a few questions that that are of particular interest to me. Um, How has your view of the world changed as a result of your experiences over the past 20 years?
1: Well, I've learned about Um, Some people that I never expected to be heroes, to turn out to be amazing heroes, like Sergei Magnitsky, like Alexei Navalny, another friend of mine, Vladimir Karamurza, who who is a British citizen and a Russian citizen who went back after the war started to uh, protest the war and now is uh, sitting in jail after being sentenced to 25 years. He's sort of like the Nelson Mandela of Russia. I've also seen some people that you would think would be heroes turn out to be really scoundrels. Um, There's many what I call Western enablers, people in the West that decided to side with Russia and side with Putin, take the money from Putin in order to stop me from doing what I'm doing, stop the West from standing up uh, firmly to Putin. And that's been a big disappointment. And so um, and and I guess the third thing is that I've also learned that the institutions that we would expect to support people like me and, and all of Sergei Magnitsky and others um, are not really fit for purpose. The government um, doesn't do what it should do. The government needs to be forced to do what they should do. And, and that's been uh, sort of frustrating and a bit of a disappointment, but also, I guess, an important um, realization that if you want to get something done, you have to force the system to do it. You can't just expect the system to do it
3: what would be a major thing that you want my generation to learn from everything you've done?
1: Well, I think the, the, probably the most important thing is that, um, we all need to, um, we all need to be leaders in our lives. We all need to, um, stand up for, against wrong and for right. Um, we all need to, um, uh, to be in, in our hearts, um, trying to do the right thing. And, and, um, it's very important for people of your generation to understand that um, <clears throat> the world is not perfect and in order for the world to be a better place we all have to do our part and we shouldn't uh, expect to sit back and have everything done for us that we all have to make sacrifices to do things to make the world a better place
3: uh, thank you so much mr Rath.
2: Bella, thank you. That was, there were was some wonderful questions there, Mr. Bada, Thank you very much for answering them with such clarity. May I ask a couple of questions uh, sure. to you? Um, I'm in touch with Yevgenia Karamurza because I had the privilege of meeting uh, Vladimir at the um, human rights uh, conference held by Hillel Neuer in 2018. Yep. What message uh, do you have for Yevgenia and indeed for Vladimir as he's incarcerated for such a terribly long time in Russia?
1: Well, I've, I've been spending an enormous amount of my time and energy trying to raise his profile in the West, trying to um, create consequences for the Russian government for doing this. And uh, my message for her and for him is that, um, uh, uh, you know, sit tight. We're not going to let you rot in jail. We're going to come and get you.
2: And with your Jewish background, sir, um, we know that there has been uh, a real diplomatic uh, downturn between Russia and Israel despite the difficult weavings that there are over Syria between Russia and Israel, where there is uh, a below the radar cooperation with Israel's security in mind. And yet the Jewish agency has effectively been banned. What is your message? For the Russian Jewish community, is this a country safe for Jews anymore? Should Russian Jews be thinking about leaving for Israel, the West, Canada, the United States, Britain, etc.?
1: I don't think Russia is safe for anybody, but, but particularly not for Jewish people. You know, as as, country, as as the country goes further and further in its fascist direction, it's um uh it's it's not safe for anybody. Um, But particularly anyone who's a religious minority, ethnic minority of any any sort. And uh, I think Russians should get out of there. Any Russian Jew should get out of there at the first opportunity. It's not going to be, there's no good future there for anybody.
2: What do you think Israel should do in terms of its stance to Russia, to the Ukraine in the war? It is a very, very difficult security situation around their borders, which Russia has cooperated on for many years, and yet, as a sovereign nation, you might think that Israel and Ukraine are much more kindred spirits.
1: Well, I think that um, Israel is the, the, the whole foundation of Israel is is as a country that welcomes victims of genocide. Um, that that's that's why Israel exists. We're now watching another genocide taking place in Ukraine, very very clearly stated genocide, and um, um, frankly disappointed that Israel, which is a country that formed on the basis of a genocide, wouldn't strongly and morally take the position of Ukraine and deal with whatever the issues are with Russia and Syria um, as a lower priority than than, than it's currently doing. Uh, It's it's not convenient um, for Israel to have this war, but it wasn't convenient for um, any of the Germans who held up, stood up for the Jews in in Germany during the Holocaust. Sometimes you have to do things that are inconvenient, and uh, very much upsets me Israel's position.
2: Mr. Browder, thank you very much for your frank and clear words. Bella, thank you for your line of questioning. Sir, thank you very much for your time and yeah. for agreeing to do
1: this podcast. My it's my pleasure and. Uh, Very, very good. Good questions from from you. And and congratulations. Um, I I have an 11 year old daughter as well. And and, uh, it's nice to see young people taking the initiative.
2: Can I ask Bella, while we're online, why is politics so important to you? And why is this subject so close to your interest and heart?
3: Well, I, I grew up with three siblings, so we always had a lot of political discussions. During dinner or whenever we sat down. So, I've been around a lot of politics, so I just wanted to see for myself.
1: Well, carry on with your interest. It's good and uh, and it will serve you well. Thank you. Thank you to both of you and the thank you.
2: you. You too. Bye bye now.
0: My thanks once again to Bill Browder and Northwest London Jewish Day School competition winner Bella Bolo. And Headmistress, Miss Kaplan and Mr Radomski. And if this is your first episode of Johnny Gould's Jewish State, you are more than welcome. We always aim to get the biggest guest with the most urgent message and the previous episode is no exception. Scroll back one for Lord Eric Pickles in conversation with the Right Honourable Joan Ryan. When they were boycotting South Africa, they were attacking racism. Boycotting Israel is supporting racism. And if you enjoy my podcast, and if you'd rather it existed than not at all, you can do the right thing today. You can buy me a coffee at slash Johnny Gould. Apple podcast number ones throughout the world. Subscribe now and tell
1: your friends. Johnny Gould's Jewish State.